have Bruce live in the locker room in Tallahassee celebrating on the field with the Fleur's <laughs> Twenty-seven straight points for for Clemson tonight. You, like you said, you can't. You're not going to win games like that. You, it, it can't happen. And, and I don't know why. Like we were able to run the ball so well in the first half, to, especially to the left side, and then all of a sudden we started to abandon it. And like I said, it, there is some inconsistency. How are they going to approach this game? How are they going to beat this Florida State team? Well, we're going to break you guys. Um, and, and okay, I, that's it. The show's <laughs> over. In, 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 in the story, we're going to break you guys. Look, and, and I, I'm joking, but it's true. Lord, the climb, the climb continues, KD. Oh my okay. god! I am sweating. I am... Look, look at my heart. Look, 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 look. You know what? Yeah, I, I understand. That his his roommate, his roommate, was drafted in the NFL. He's a very famous football player. I'm not gonna name him. Oh, I, I remember his name, Jack Lambert. You ever heard of Jack Lambert with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Okay, okay, Jack Lambert with the Pittsburgh. His roommate in college helped negotiate his deal when he was drafted. All right, and welcome back to Seminole Sideline 365. As always, you are with myself, KB, and as... Always, and here it comes, the phone call, KB. I will be right back. Old man, take them away. I have an important phone call. Be right back. Okay, okay, KB. KB had an important issue. I think it was something about a plumbing issue at his house. And, you know, when you're waiting on someone to call you, like the plumber, you better jump off and take the damn call. We knew it would come in right at showtime. So uh, no big deal, no big deal. Okay, welcome to Seminole Satellite 365. You got Bruce, the old man, and KB will join us here shortly when he gets done with his, uh, with his issue that he's going to try to get coordinated and take care of. Well, big Saturday coming up. Big Saturday afternoon game, Florida State. Florida State uh, ranked number one in our hearts and number five by the AP. I believe it's the AP number five. Uh, we've slipped down a spot despite a, a, a bye week. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about this Virginia Tech Hokies football team and what they're going to bring into Tallahassee uh, for this battle uh, at 3.30. Thank God it's not a uh, noon kickoff because as everybody knows, noon games suck. And they do. They're bad for everybody. They're bad for the players. They're bad for TV. They're bad for the viewers. They're bad for the fans. Nobody likes them. They're bad for tailgates. 3.30 is acceptable, okay? It's acceptable. Uh, but that'll be a 3.30 kickoff in the Doak, Doak Campbell Stadium. And then we're also going to talk about, we're going to talk about 
what this Florida State team needs to do in this game against Virginia Tech as well as what they need to do the rest of the season, okay? Because the question we're going to address is winning enough now to get into the playoff hunt. And, and let's phrase it as playoff hunt. Could you win out and still not get there? Well, of course, there's always a couple of teams uh, that are ranked fifth and sixth who don't make it into the top four. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit and what Florida State needs to do. Uh, and, the, and one of the things we're going to kick off the discussion with is, or, or a little bit later maybe, we're going to talk about Coach JB. Uh, if you know who Coach JB is, he has a YouTube channel. Coach JB was a football coach for Last Chance U. If you haven't seen that, you should check it out. Last Chance U, he was a football coach there until he got fired. Okay, He was fired for a variety of reasons. And now his job is sitting on the couch at home uh, and taking swipes at people. And today... Uh, he took a very big swipe at Florida State and a big swipe at Jordan Travis. Uh, he called them overrated. He called both of them overrated. And so we will definitely address that tonight in a very candid fashion. Now, if you know anything about this program, we are not affiliated with any network. We're not affiliated with any uh sponsorships. We are an independent, unaffiliated program. Uh, we are here to give our candid assessments and opinions, and that's what they are. We're not inside experts. We don't have inside media credentials, uh, but we do monitor a lot what's going on about Florida State as well as other teams across the country. Now, you know, sometimes I will even speak about Colorado, much to uh, KB's disdain. I will talk about uh, Coach Prime and Colorado. And uh, because I'm also alum of Colorado as well as an alum of Florida State. So uh, given that, let's launch right into uh, this Virginia Tech team that's coming in here because they are the opponent that's coming in here on Saturday. Now, the last time I looked, which was maybe a day or so, uh, was that they are a 24-point underdog coming in to this game. So Florida State, you know, uh, didn't uh, has had trouble beating the spread uh, this year in a couple of games. And so the question will become, can they beat this spread? First of all, can they win the game? Well, in my opinion, there's absolutely no doubt that Florida State will win this ball game. No doubt, okay? This game, it's not about Florida State winning the game as much as it is about how big will Florida State win this game. And that may be probably the greatest, the greatest concern of this ball game. Uh, Florida State cannot just skimp by and escape Virginia Tech with a narrow victory. Uh, at this point, yes, it is important to win the game. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But there's more on the line now if you're talking about national polls. If you're talking about national polls, winning 
may not be enough for Florida State. It's going to be how big they win against the remainder of their schedule and including this game against a Virginia Tech team, which is two wins and three losses coming in. And they're not an impressive ball club at this point. They are a team early in a rebuild. Okay, early in a rebuild. You have a new coach, new coaching staff, the quarterback, Kyrone Drone has just taken over the reins at quarterback. Now, Kyrone Drone, he's a big guy. I mean, he's like 6'4", maybe, 6'3", 6'4", 230 pounds. He's got an arm. He can throw deep. He can throw the short ball. And more importantly, and probably more interesting for Florida State's defense, is he can run the ball. And he's willing to run the ball. And he's probably more willing to run the ball than to throw it into tight coverage. So Florida State is going to face yet another running quarterback. And they've seen him before. They've seen these running quarterbacks before. Jaden Daniels uh, from LSU is a good example. So given that this guy can run, he can cause problems for the Florida State defense. Uh, they... Their victory, they have their 1-0 in the ACC conference play, and they beat Pittsburgh last weekend, 38-21. Uh, to 21. And the quarterback, Kyrone uh, Drone, he was involved in five touchdowns himself. So he looks like the heir apparent to the quarterback positions at Virginia Tech. So I fear... Uh, uh, quarterback Kyron Drone's running ability probably more than his passing ability at this point. Now, I think one of the things that's going to be of great concern for Florida State is can they get off the field on third down with the Virginia Tech with the Virginia Tech offense? I think that is going to be a key at this point. On national statistics, Florida State uh, is ranked 48th in the country with uh, with getting off the uh, uh, giving up, an, a, not getting off the field 35% of the time. All right, so uh, you know that this getting off the field is going to be important in establishing the defense against Virginia Tech. This is a team you do not want to give any momentum to. This is a team that you want to beat handily. And as I said earlier, this to me is more of a game about how much we beat them by than it is a game are we going to win. I have no problem with us winning and beating Virginia Tech Hokies. But I do have a problem if we can't make the spread, which to me should be easy. It's about 24 points. We're at home. This is not a good football team. They're a rebuilding, early stage rebuilding team. KB, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think it's an interesting matchup. Like you said, I, I don't think there's any more excuses for this team. You either have to start putting up or, or you got to shut up, and that applies to fans alike. Um, if you're the number five team in the country, um, you know, you got to start playing like it at, at some point. And, you, you know, you can't have the BC close games. You could say, oh, that's because of a couple of fumbles. Well, 
you know, at, at this point, you know, either that becomes a trend or those are just one-offs and those are just bad games that you pulled out of. Um, Virginia Tech is the prime example, a two and three team, not a great team by all, by all, all examples we've seen so far. They just, they just did have their best game of the season against a one and three pit team. Um, uh, you know, but they put it together for the first time really uh, since week one. I, I do think that, like you said, Florida State needs to cover the spread. It's starting to work against them in terms of, you know, one poll has them as number five, one poll has them as number four, but they're sliding backwards due to the way that they look uh, against their opponents in terms of the way that they're finishing, right? The way that they're putting the wins together. And, you know, you could say a win's a win. And I get that. I understand a win is a win, and I'm not taking anything against that. But in the eyes of the voters, in the eyes of the, you know, with this playoff committee, the way you do look is it is taken in consideration, right? And the good thing, the thing that does work out for Florida State is, is that we still do have ranked opponents on our schedule. You still have Miami. You still have Duke. You are going to have opportunities to look good to the committee if you if you continue to win out. But you need to take care of the little guys, quote unquote, you know, this week. You need to look good and blow these people out for the committee to show you are the number five team in the country and you look like it week in and week out, especially going against a Virginia Tech team that you have a lot more talent than that you are, you have the veteran experience against, right? You know, you can't come out and look like you did against BC, you know, Jordan Travis in this offense, you know, that's filled with playmakers needs to show it. They need to play like it. Right. Or, you know, we need to start evaluating if they don't, what is going on? You know, if we come out of the bye week and we look slow and we look, you know, lethargic and we look like, you know, every other drive is a three and out and we can't seem to put the, you know, I know the points are there, right? You put up 31 in overtime against Clemson. You know, you've put up, you know, what are the point spreads? You put up 31 points, 31 to BC, you know, 66 66 against a bad Southern Miss team. You know, people were saying, oh, Southern Miss is a bowl eligible team. They're not making a bowl game. They made a loser coach. USM was a bad team now that we see that. Um, so that that really that six six points was against a very bad Southern Miss team, but you put up forty five against LSU, um, which their defense looks very um, not great so far in the season. You know, you saw the old Miss game last week. If you watch that shootout, um, LSU does not have an elite defense from what's seen, but you still put up those points. We need to see both sides of the ball finally come together and play on the same page. Both of them clicking at the same time for the full game on the field. Because I don't know if we've seen. Outside of, like I said, you know, parts of the LSU game, I think you played really good against LSU. Outside of that week one game, I don't know if you've seen both sides of the ball click at the same time since that point. Now, I'm not counting Southern Miss because you played an inferior team on that. So I want to see that. I think you can do it. Like you said before, Virginia Tech has a, a quality quarterback that they found. Um, I don't think he's elite. I don't think he's great. I think he's a good, of average, the good quarterback in Kyron Drones. He certainly can use his legs, but he's not Jordan Travis. He's not, you know, uh, uh, the guy you played at BCI, Castellanos. He doesn't have that breaking speed, but he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Anthony Richardson in terms of his size. Um, and you have to you have to go for his legs. You have to, you know, finish the tackle against him because he'll break away and he can break off. If you try to take him in the backfield and you only arm tackle him, he'll break away and he'll he'll chunk off 15 20 yards and they like to use him in motion they like to use him on the pitch game so you'll have to you need to be able to and and i think someone pointed out you may have pointed this out is that florida state's in the top five in terms of getting up rushing yards to mobile quarterbacks this season um and they struggle to contain mobile quarterbacks this season 
um, especially outside of, you know, when you look at Castellanos and Jaden Daniels, um, you face these guys and you struggled against them. Uh, so outside of that, that was a lot of words. I, I think Florida State should handle their business. They should cover the spread. But we will have to have a very big conversation if after that game, this game is closed. If it's 14 points, if it's, you know, if it's 11 points win, in a win, there's going to be a lot of questions that need to be asked about what this team's going to do. Because like I said, you have some tough teams on the horizon. You have a Miami offense that is clicking right now. Granted, they haven't played a lot of many great teams so far. And I include Texas A&M, A&M in that. But they haven't played the ACC schedule yet. Um, but you have that Miami team. You have a, a good Duke team who may or may not have their quarterback back, but they have a, a pretty good defense. Um, and, and you're going to have some opponents that you're going to have to finish out here. So go ahead and take care of business. I think they will against Virginia Tech. And, and it, it's really going to come down to can you make Kyrone Drones become a, a, a passing quarterback? Can you contain his legs and his ability to make plays with his legs and make him have to throw from the pocket, a breaking down pocket? You bring the pressure on the quarterback, you break down that pocket, and you contain him on the edges, and linebackers do their job in finishing tackles, I think this becomes a blowout very quickly. Because um, I do not think they'll be able to run up the middle. They weren't able to run up the middle very effectively against Pitt. I don't think they'll be able to run effectively against uh, uh, Virginia uh, against us up the middle. They're going to try to go sideline to sideline, and that's where you got to contain them. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to – you know, like I said, this week, I, I haven't really paid that much attention – to the Hokies, because I'm not really fearful of them. I'm more fearful, as I said, about what the score is going to be. Yeah. You know, that we, we shouldn't, we're not even talking about winning the game. We're going to win the game. Okay. If we don't win the game, there will be more than just a few questions. There'll be very big, glaring questions. Okay. Which hopefully the inside media credentialed people will ask, which I sent KB an article earlier this week of how softball questions came to Coach Prime after Oregon beat them up and they, they had some final three minutes or no, whatever it was. US, USC I'm sorry, game. USC at, at bad drives. No one even asked a question about it. And somebody wrote an article in National Media Press about why are people asking better questions? So there will be big questions if Florida State squeaks by Virginia Tech, doesn't beat the spread against Virginia Tech, doesn't take care of their business against Virginia Tech. And I don't want to hear, well, we came off a bye week. That That's okay, because you can hug people all you want. And, and we're not going to apologize. There's no bigger fans than us. But we're going to be objective in our opinions. So KB, you hit it right on the right on the right in the mouth there that this is about margin of victory. This is about margin of victory. The big thing I want to see too coming out of this week is what did they do to fix the run game? All I'm hearing, this is kind of gets to me. There's this love affair between FSU fans and the offensive line, and maybe it's the love affair with Coach Atkins. Okay. That's okay. I respect them both. However, I've always said and always will, this is an average, maybe average plus offensive line. I think that's part of the problem with the rush game. I don't know if you agree with that, but all I'm hearing on all the media that I check and monitor over the week is, well, the running back's not hitting the hole fast enough. You know, he's he, instead of going outside, should have gone inside. Choices of which way to go. I think it's more than that. I think it really boils down to an offensive line 
that uh, is not dominant. This is not a dominant uh, uh, line. I don't see one player on this line that is ready or can play at the next level. My opinion, okay? And I think it has a lot to do with the run game. Last week, last week, you know, we had 20 yards. The explanation from Coach Norvell was, well, you know, that's a pretty good defensive front there. They have a pretty good defensive front. If you have a dominant offensive line, you're going to get at least 100 yards. I don't want to hear you're going to get 20 yards. It makes no sense to me. I don't know if you agree with that or not. The other thing I want to see is how do we get off the field on third down? How efficient are we at getting off the damn field, not giving up big chunk plays when it's third and eight, third and 12, third and 15, and they get first downs? That is disturbing. I want to see how that goes. And red zone efficiency when we're in the red zone. We are pretty damn good in the red zone. When I think we're at a thousand percent. I think we've we every time we've been in the red zone, I think we've scored. Uh, I could be wrong in that. You can recheck that. Someone out there can check that. But our red zone efficiency for getting a field goal or a touchdown is very, very good. So that means as long as we have the ball and we get in the red zone, we're going to score points. The last thing is I do believe, just like in old-time basketball without the shot clock, Virginia Tech's going to try to control the football. They're going to try to make long drives and have Florida State handle the ball maybe four times in the first half, maybe four or five times if they can limit it to that. What was the game we had the ball one time in the first quarter? I think it was the Boston College game. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So those are the things that I'm going to be focused on and I'll be focusing on from the stands because I'm going to be at the game, okay? So I'll be honest with you. I enjoy being at the games, but you don't see the game as well, you know? So I'll have to rely more on statistics, but uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to enjoy the game. I'm going to have some of my shirts on. You'll see me walking around. If you see the old man, just give me a shout out and it'll be good. Now, this game is sold out. As far as I know, the game is sold out. It's going to be a big, I'm already planning my parking and how I'm going to do it, but it, it looks like a pretty good crowd for a 3.30 game. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think you brought up the point about third downs in general. I, I third downs in general have been a uh, struggle for Florida State. Um, you, you seemingly are struggling to get off the field on third down, but you're seemingly struggling to convert on third down. I think the latest statistic was you rank uh, – 80, uh, 85th in the nation, you're converting at 38% on yeah. third down, which is terrible. You're not going to win. A for, a, uh, for a number five team in the country, it's I just I don't care what number you are. You're not going to win. You're not going to well, go into the right. if you're if you're converting 38%. It's going to bite you in the ass at some point. And some people say that's because Mike Norvell, and, and it could be because of this, is that Mike Norvell's always looking towards going for, for it on fourth down. So he's think, always thinking of play ahead. He's like, okay, well, I'll call like we're going to go for it on fourth down anyway. So if I get, you know, I may yeah. call a run play on the third and eight, because if I get six yards, five or six oh. yards on this, then I know I'm going to go for it on fourth play. So analytics may be clouding some of that play calling. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't Because they that. are, they are converting fourth down. Today. Okay. But I don't buy that. But who wants to be in a fourth down conversion situation that much? It's what the analytics tell you, depending on what part of the field you're on. It, you know, well, like I said, I'd much rather they need to, they need to convert down. better on third and third down. 
they also, to your point, on both third downs, defensively and offensively. Um, but this is, like you said, the week that they need to, they need to prove that in the bye week that they were able to f- play call better with the run game. Because I think it was a mixture of personnel and also the types of running plays that they were calling did not put. And, and I think I was watching highlights over the, over the bye week and stuff like that. I mean, there, there are availability for these backers to bounce it outside, and they're not doing it. I think Trey Benson struggled with it a little bit. I do think that we are missing a Trey Ward. who what, I mean, he was the starter in terms of who started out of the backfield most of the year. And I think a little bit we're missing some of that wiggle and some of that vision that he brought to this. Whereas, you know, and I don't think – I think there is a little bit that maybe Trey's vision isn't as good as Trey Sean. Maybe well, I'm it was wrong. pretty good last year. What what happened to his vision? But like I said, there, there's, a, there's a balance. I think maybe he's not seeing the holes as well this year. I don't know. I Like I said, it's just what I observe, and I'm not a running backs coach, but I think they can go back and game plan around a little bit. But I think there needs to be some balance, and if he's not seeing the holes, if he's not bouncing outside when he should be, then they need to take a step back and say, hey, Hill – Kaziah, here are your 15 carries. Let's let's see if you can get it done. But they need to find that edge. They need to get the running game going. Or like I said, it doesn't matter if you win tomorrow. You're not gonna you're not gonna go undefeated. You can't win a playoff game. You can't even think about the playoffs if you can't get a running game going. And you can't be 81st in the FBS and running and expect to 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 be successful in the playoffs. It, it's not gonna work. You can't be 81st in third down conversion. You can't be 81st and run the ball. It's not going to work. Eventually, it's gonna bite you in the ass. These things have to be fixed, and I hope that they win that bye week. They watch tape, and they have a game plan to attack Virginia Tech. Well, to add to add to that, KB, you can't be a playoff team and be ranked number uh, 95, 95th in the country in total defense, giving up four hundred yards. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a game. I mean, that you rank number ninety fifth. It's just not good enough. And 85th in third down conversion. You start to add these things up and we can throw whatever excuses and people can say negativities. I'm tired. I saw that a little bit on Twitter about anybody on negative comments. You you talked about that on our last show uh, about we're giving what we see and what needs to be fixed. And anybody who doesn't think that the coaches out there don't see it just because they don't talk about it in the boring pressures they give, okay, don't, don't think they're not thinking about this. Of course they are. You know, these are the things that they think about in their heads that we talk about out loud. So there are some things here that this football team needs to come out and show against this Virginia Tech Hokie team. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, and, and like you said, it's, it's uh, especially offensively, it's not a personnel issue. They have the personnel to score 45, 50 points per game, in my opinion. Especially and that was the expectation. Like and, that, and, and that's that. still the expectation. They still can do that in my eyes. They just have to put it all together. Game plan, coaching, players have to all do their jobs in sync, and they have to and they have to just put it together. We, we Outside the LSU game, I don't think we've seen it since then. But I do, once again, still believe that we have that potential at home. Uh, in Tallahassee. So it'll be good to be back home. Cause once again, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a true home game. Um, so it'll be good to get back home uh, and play in front of the home fans. Um, so well, what are your final, yeah. 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 Well, well, this thing, uh, Wendy Lackwitz, thanks for uh, listening in. Uh, it should, if they play up to their potential, but we can only keep saying that so many weeks and so many games, cause we're going to run out of potential. I mean, we're, we're five games in now. There's only how many regular season? 11, 12, 12 games? Well, you got to start bringing it together now. 
okay? Football is different than other sports too because you get one game. It's not the best of seven, best of three, best of whatever to show your potential. You got one game to do it. So I think what we're saying is we're going to win the game, but it has to it has to be looking good. As you said, KB, committee time is coming up. When the committee then jumps in, all their experts, you know, they're not all experts, but they start to look at analytics. That's what they make their arguments based on. And they can only pick four. So they'll start looking at schedules. How badly did you beat these guys? Because right now, some of the teams, as you said, Southern Mississippi, they may be making a coaching change. Everybody thought they were going to be so good. The bowl team, they're struggling. So we're going to have to, we hope everybody on our schedule wins and keeps winning. That's what you need. When you play them, then you hope you beat them. But by, by how much is going to be the key. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, Lot to clean up after the bye week, um, but I still believe that you know you can do it. But a lot of things have to get better. Defense has to get better, offense has to get better, coaching has to get better, and uh, we'll find out on Saturday how it looks like. And hopefully, it'll look clean and it'll look efficient. It will look now, like Dagby. Uh, uh, Dagby says they blame Robert Scott for not being. She's right because I've heard this out there that well, you know, Robert Scott's been hurt. He's not in. They've got twenty guys in that offensive line room, at least. And I don't think Robert Scott is is the guy that, nobody's blaming him, but they're saying if he was in there, then Benson and everybody else would have more holes. I don't know if I totally buy that or not. I know Robert Scott is one of our better guys, you know, and he's been around, he's got a lot of snaps, but I don't think he's so elite, it would make that big a difference. Well, and that's the one thing, too, is that, uh, you know, some people on Twitter are comparing, like, is this the 2013 run again? Da, da, da. And I, I just I don't want people to be disillusioned by no way. like this being like 2013 because it's not like Florida State has the potential. They I, they can absolutely win out. This schedule is winnable. The team has the, the talent and the coaching to be able to win out and, and make a run. at. But things. that doesn't but, mean you're going to make the top four. If they went out, they'll make the top four. Absolutely. I don't think so. Yes, they will. They will. Uh, okay. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm okay. I respect your opinion. I'm uh, saying now where we used to think that, and I probably said that at some point. If you went out, you make top four. If you beat four if, ranked if teams. There's, if there's six undefeated teams, if there's, there's six, undefeated six undefeated teams, teams. or a one-loss. Unde- how are there going to be six undefeated teams? What's or a one-loss team, you could... You could get bounced out of there. No, they're not, um, not well, with State's think, schedule. You're I not, don't know. You're not, you're not going to okay. see that. Okay. But, but what I was saying is that you can't compare this to 2013. This team does not have the amount of NFL. And, that, and then that's the thing is that we're, we're kind of accelerating our expectations. I still think for this team, you know, we're still two years away from winning five games and the team still is building up through recruiting through transfers, you know, mm-hmm. that 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 whole performance gets gets an accelerated when you go through the transfer portal. We still haven't built up the back end through the high school recruiting. And that is coming. Next year we have a great class, you know, committed. You know, that can change, but that looks really good. The top five class. And that that will be Mike Norvell's best class so far. But transfers accelerate the performance. And we're only two years away, right? From that five five number, you know, five win season. So I think we have to look, stand back and say, you know, this isn't 2013 again, because look at how much NFL talent was on that team. This, this, this squad that we're looking at today right. isn't filled with 
12 NFL players. You know, yeah. you have Keon Coleman, you have Johnny Wilson, maybe, you know, maybe Jaheim Bell on the offense. Those three players, potentially, potentially Trey Benson. But I'm talking about like first round or second round. Third Jared round. Verse. Yeah, Jared Verse. And that's maybe it. Braden Fist, maybe. So you're talking about four, five, six players, maybe. I mean, everyone, every starter on the 2013 team got drafted. Every one of them. And you had a generational quarterback in Jameis Winston. Like that team was different. So I, when people say like this is 2013 again, it's not, and, and that's it's why no I want to get. And it's and it's not fair to compare right. because that team was built different. And you had literally, it's you get a quarterback like Jameis Winston in the program. Some some programs get it very routinely, which is hard to do. But it's it's hard to compare that. You shouldn't put that expectation on this team. This team is different, but they're trying to build it up back the right way throughout high school. But that portal accelerates the performance and i think some of those expectations have gotten a little bit too high because like i said you're not going to get 12 players drafted from this team but that doesn't mean that you can't go out and win out this year and that and that's what we expect we i still expect that because i do believe based on your schedule and what you have available to you that you should do that so um, well, what's I, good you know what's good too coming out of this bye week is is we've got a lot of people healed up too it's good to see uh uh, oh, Ja'Kai Douglas? Ja'Kai Douglas back. I like Ja'Kai. He's had a rough journey. He's really had a rough journey, but I think he's a hell of a good ball player. He's especially good coming out of the backfield, getting a matchup that we like, and catching the football. You know, he catches the football very, very well. Uh, he, he, I hope he gets some looks. I hope he just can get on the field a little bit. But it looks like we're pretty pretty healthy uh, coming into this game. Now, I'll, the first couple of uh, possessions, I hate to say it, may be a little rusty because you haven't played up to speed down a couple weeks. Uh, but uh, we're, not gonna, we're running out of excuses to get points on the board. So hopefully that's going to happen. Listen, I want to turn this topic a little bit now, unless you want to go to another. Uh, no, the, the last um, thing I was, with the addition of Ja'Kai, I want to see a slot receiver get involved in the play calling. I want us to start exploiting the middle of the field, whether it's a tight end, whether it's uh, Ja'Kai, Winston Wright. We need to start utilizing the middle of the field just like other teams are doing to us. I don't know why we don't attack the middle of the field. I don't know if it's a Jordan Travis vision thing, but the open the field, the middle of the field should be open. You have two tall, big receivers who are attracting attention. You either need to exploit the one-on-one matchups because Jordan Travis was saying – Two weeks ago, they're disrespecting us. They're disrespecting us. But then, you know, you only were able to connect with him at the last point of the game on that on that fade. But we need to start attacking these matchups, and he needs to connect on these throws. Jordan Travis has to get sharper on these throws on these one on. If they're going to continue the one on one matchup, Keon Coleman, who I think we all know by now is a star and he can make big plays, he needs to start connecting those balls. You need to start connecting and exploiting the middle of the field with your tight ends along with your slot. Well, let's, with that comment, KB, let's go to what Coach JB, I talked about this just for, I brought it, briefed it up just a little bit uh, when you were absent there. Coach JB on his show today, and I saw this on Twitter and was aghast of what I saw, Coach JB took a huge swipe, huge swipe, at FSU and Jordan Travis. You gonna run it here? Yeah, I'll run it here. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna run a, a segment of this. This is Coach JB, and he is 
the last chance university coach who got fired and now sits on his couch and does shows every day, as many as possible, to drive views. So let's see what he had to say against Florida State. I've done Florida State. They should have lost to Clemson. They should have lost to Boston College. And we're over here talking about how good Florida State is. And I'm like, I don't see it that way. I think Oregon State and Washington State would boat race Florida State. I think Utah would beat them. I also think S I think SC would beat them in a shootout. And I and I think that Washington and Oregon would beat them by 40. But that's just personally my opinion. <laughs> well, uh, now wait a minute. He's very good. Wait. I don't think Jordan, Jordan Travis is that goddamn good. I'm tired of seeing all this hype about Jordan Travis who can't throw a goddamn hit. So well, I'll okay, try to okay. figure out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is the same guy, Coach JB, who's trying to drive views. Obviously, he pays his damn mortgage based on this. This is his job now. So he's trying to trying to rattle some pay people, get more views. He's literally more, playing for clicks. clicks. He, 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 you know. he knows it. Yeah. This is a big game in the YouTube world. We all know it. We we don't KB and I don't have to pay our bills based on what we do on this show. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But this guy does. And a lot of guys on YouTube do. This is their career. This is what they've elected. And he's a big mouth. He was a big mouth. When he, when he was on Last Chance U to drive that show, drive the views. Yeah, it's entertaining. He's supposed to be entertaining here. So he takes a swipe knowing the Florida State people are, are very supportive of their team and of Jordan Travis. And he's a big mouth. And he's come out and he said shit that doesn't make any sense. Okay, can't. Jordan Travis can't even hit a hitch. Really? Okay. You know, it's a big, big mouth, big thing who sits on the couch and he's got bigger problems than most of us know about. We don't need to get into all of that. But it's a cheap shot, cheap swipe at Florida State and this, this entire program. And you can see the other guys aren't in total agreement with what he's saying. Even the guy in the Miami shirt. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. no, I, I think to add to your point, it's like you said. I mean, these guys whose their job is to run, me, you know, they have Patreon around their YouTube account. They have to say stuff like this in order to get clicked. He knew this would rile up the Florida State Twitter base, which is huge, and that would drive clicks to his episode. It would drive my and, and I sent him. Fans. I sent him a reply gosh, as well. Oh gosh! Like, well, you oh, said this, and this you said later in the day he took down the clip. No, no, someone else that tweeted. Oh, someone it. else took no, it. He down. didn't take. He didn't take it down. Okay. He's not taking this down. No. Um, but uh, you know, at the same and, and you know, obviously he's saying something that's controversial. Um, you know, to if I were to, I disagree. Like you said, many of the points. I don't think Utah is blowing Florida State out. Um, I think you know, I think Oregon's a top three team in the country. But look what they they just struggled. Uh, you know, they just sort of struggled. Uh, they struggled on with some of their games this season, and they blew Colorado out. But they struggled this season. They're in my eyes, regardless of what this dude says. I don't see – I don't think there's any great elite – there's no number one team so far in the season. I've seen no team that has dominated their schedule thus far this season. Not Georgia, not Alabama, not Oregon. Um, none of these teams – not Washington struggled last week. USC struggled. Yeah, L, USC has no defense. I've seen no elite team, so to say Florida State's overhyped or you know overrated. I, I don't think you could say that because I think the five, one through ten – those could be interchanged very easily right now. I don't think there is any solidified number one team right now. And we won't know for the next four or five weeks. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma. We'll see if Oklahoma's for real. 
know, Texas beat Alabama. We don't know how good Alabama really is, but we know they're good. We don't know how elite they are anymore. So if things are going to start to shift themselves out. I do agree with one point he made. I do think Jordan Travis has to get better. I don't think right now Jordan Travis is a Heisman contender. Jordan Travis has well, we missed a lot a of balls. Time ago. We He's said missed a, a lot time. of key balls. He hasn't been able to find his deep ball in the last couple of games. I think his vision, and we talked about this on other shows, like you said, he's missed a couple of key balls and key plays. And I think he has the ability to get better at that. We saw it last year. Him and Johnny Wilson connected on a lot of big plays last year. And, and luckily in overtime against Clemson, he did it. He made the big play to the big guy. But we need to see more consistency during the course of the game. And, and maybe it's him not pressing always for the big play. Make the smart play. Make the, the five or ten yard play. Instead of doing fades down the sideline for 30 plus yards, we only need five. So I, I, to that point, I think, I don't think, you know, Jordan Travis is a Heisman guy right at this point. But that doesn't mean they go on a, a win streak of seven yard, uh, seven straight wins, and he's throwing up 300 yards and four touchdowns that he can't be. So I think he has a lot of talent, and he's, you know, driven this team to a ton of wins. And I love the guy as a player. So, you know, that is the only little point there that maybe he has some credence. But the way he says it, like I said, he's not backing up with any stats. I guarantee this guy hasn't watched one full Florida State game no. this entire season outside maybe the LSU game. Which we looked incredible on. I don't think he's watching, you know, the full Clemson game. He's not watching. He's not going to watch this weekend. He's got his, you know, he's flipping around. Da, da, da. So for him to make those statements without any credible factual statistics, anything like that, that's why, you know, it's all for clicks. He's doing a social media thing just like everyone else is. Leave it at that. It's not worth me, you know, tweeting back at him or anything like that. You know, let, he's, he'll move on to the next topic. He'll say oh, someone else is overhyped this weekend. Someone else is bad. Just to drive clicks. Uh, you know, I get it. I get it. It's not That's worth getting riled about. And in between all his curse words, you get some grammar now and then, but every other word's a curse word, you know? And it's just, you know, I've seen him. He's entertaining at times, but, you know, that, that was a cheap shot, cheap swipe, and, and I think you, you summed it up. Yeah. Uh, good news for uh, UNC. They got Tess Walker uh, back. Looks like he can start playing right away. He's been practicing, obviously, with uh, UNC Tar Heels. The NCAA came with a reversal, which was shocking, but they came with a reversal to allow him to play based on additional information sent in by the school. I mean... Yeah, I didn't read bizarre. the whole article. I don't know if you got anything out of it, but the whole thing's a little bizarre. Well, I mean, well, if you're like doing a out. thorough, wait a minute. If you're doing a thorough investigation, and that's the NCA's job to work with the school on this medical hardship, whatever you want to call it, all the facts should be there before they make a decision. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying, well, UNC had other information they yeah, sent forward, yeah. and now we've looked at it, and that had that one piece of information yeah, yeah. changed the whole decision. It, it does. It smells bad. The whole thing smells bad of what went down, and and it makes the NCAA look really incompetent or come out smelling bad. And here's here's their quote. Here's a quote, just to put it in context, if you haven't read it. 
The NCAA staff received new information regarding University of North Carolina student-athlete Tez Walker this week. Staff determined the new information qualifies Walker for a transfer waiver. The new information has not had not been made available by UNC previously, despite the school's multiple chances to do so. Like, what a uh, passive-aggressive statement was that? You know, either two things happened here. You know, because we all saw the PR, you know, rampage that, uh, you know, UNC went on to call out the NCAA. Uh, You know, their coach, uh, Mac Brown, tons of social media he threw out the NCAA uh, when he got denied. And I give him a ton of credit for doing that. Put the pressure on the NCAA. You You saw people on ESPN getting behind Tez and stuff like that. But that statement says to me, either one, that the the waiver process is so freaking complicated that there's like that line that you that that one document you couldn't realize that was in the 95 pages of things that you have to provide like an insurance claim like uh does not you're not covered for da 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 because of line x da 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 like either the the transfer process to get a waiver is that complicated and UNC literally wasn't aware of it because it was so damn hard to figure out or the NCLA is likely just covering their ass potentially because they may have messed up and not seen the document till this week, you know, because and UNC, UNC may have just sent them everything and said, here's everything, you know, we have everything covered and maybe it just slipped through the cracks. It, it, it makes, it makes whoever was involved in this situation incompetent. That's what it makes it look like, except yeah. for Tez Walker, who's the guy just waiting there, you know? So congratulations to Tez Walker to get back on the field. The question is, does this have any impact on Daryl Jackson? I think not. I don't think it's going to impact. I don't think this is all of a sudden they're going to say, well, we screwed up on Daryl Jackson too. That would really make them look incompetent. Well, but, but what I would want to know, what document do they provide that maybe that Florida State needs to highlight for Daryl Jackson? No, I, if I was the AD of Florida State, I'd be reaching out to the AD of North Carolina and say, what did they tell you? What was the document? That, well, yeah. I got this reverse because you could do that. Maybe that's where we need to go. And are highlight. we missing something? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Are we or missing something? Do we here? need to tell them, hey, we did provide that doc because that's what UNC is saying. We're like UNC saying, no, NCAA, don't call us out because we gave you listen, everything that you listen, needed. KB, this can't be that complicated. It's not. It can't be. It's like in Daryl Jackson's case, his mother, who lives up near Tallahassee, someplace, is either ill severely ill has issues that they need him home to help with or to be close by or not come on how complicated can this be now maybe the ncaa makes it complicated if and if they need doctor statements or witness statements gather them it's not that hard and and they're making this bigger than it is incompetencies exist at the ncaa level okay but but one last thing is that what is does Tess Walker how does he get that time back they lost by the NCAA's F up? I mean he's missed five four or five games now. How does, uh, how does that work uh, with eligibility? I how mean, does he they, get they, well? I guess they could grant him. Uh, they, they're the they're the governing organization. No, they could grant him five more games into the next season. That would I be guess. my next question: Is how do I get that time back? Or, well, or how does UNC the, look at the, this and in, in that? There's only one organization that can grant time, and that's the NCAA. And that's why we need to abolish the NCAA. And then he should should perhaps make an appeal based, I'd like to get those five games back if I want them. 
if I opt to use them. And, and that's the thing. Because He's not going to the pros next year, probably. I, I would. That's Unless he lights it up here, the final part of the season. Well, and that's what I would say is that should, you know, should UNC control his time? Because if he's not granted, should they only play him for, you know, I don't know how, if he's retro, usually that four game, you know, the four game. Well, limit. he wants to play. They're gonna I, play. I, I get it, but, you know, I don't know. He, they, they should fight to get those five games back. So I, I guarantee they're going to play him. They're, you know, they're trying to win the ACC. Yeah. They got yeah. a great quarterback. They have a damn good chance. Yeah. And they add in another looks like a fairly high ceiling potential receiver yeah. that could help them and potentially match up with Florida State in the championship game, you're damn right they're going to play him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. good for him. Okay. And, and and maybe you'll – we won't speculate because I know a lot of people will say, Joe Jackson on the way. No, we don't know no, that. But has, hopefully – It's like apples I said, and or, if, apple and orange. Apple if I'm the AD of Florida State, I'll find out what that document was that changed the decision. Well, yeah, I think I we look at – yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think, but whether or not you get information, that's privacy information. Now you're into privacy ADD. issues. Yeah. Or I'm having Daryl Jackson DM the kid, Tez, and say, dude, how, how, what, what did it take? Oh, he, could. <laughs> what did it take? he could do that. Or Florida State has probably a right to call up there with the right personnel and say, listen, are we missing anything here? Yeah. Is there any information that would sway this decision if we had it in hand yeah. or we could get it? That, that should have been already covered now. Yeah. That's a normal investigation, except when you get into investigations like the U.S. Congress runs, which never frickin', I was going to say the wrong word, never frickin' end. They're endless. You know, it's ridiculous yeah. uh, in that regard. Okay, now, I mentioned this before, as you when you were absent from the room here, from the studio, and I sent you an article this week. It was written after that Colorado-USC game. Who are you Colorado, sending these articles to? No, wait. Colorado like, had a three-minute drive going where potentially they could win the game, beat USC. And they just mismanaged that two or three minutes so horribly wrong. I mean, even the analysts called that right. It was terrible. And I sent you, and then there were, and, and we talked about that, and then an article came out. Because I'm always harping on this. Because we don't have insider access. We're not present at the post-game media pressers. We're not? And, and No, we're not. Okay? I see them on TV. All right? So, yeah, this is it. I think this is it. That's not the cartoon. That's some kind of commercial. But go back to the headlines. We just need the headline. The headline, Deion Sanders gets no post-game questions about questionable play calling. I listened to that whole presser immediately after. Right? Mm -hmm. And Sanders is pretty, I would say, he's pretty easy to talk to in these things. He's not intimidating to anybody in the room. All they were asking about, his sons. How'd your son feel? How'd this feel? how that? No one said, tell us about the, 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 the final drives, the minute, the mismanagement, or the management of those minutes. Not one person... And there were several in the room. Did they ask that question? And it goes right to my point, KB. You know I harp on this. The media, all media, including FSU inside media, don't ask good questions. They ask leading questions. And they're almost, I can sense it, afraid to ask coaches questions. Sanders is not one of those guys. 
He's very direct and he's very candid. All they had to do is ask him about the what his thoughts were on the final drive and the management of those minutes. You don't have to say about your son. He's the quarterback. And Sanders said, he's a quarterback. He's not my son when he's on the field. Ask that question. And they didn't do it. And I'm glad to see Mike Flor Florio. Yeah, Florio. He, he wrote this article, not one question. Because when you're not in the room, you can't ask these questions well, that people really want to hear about. Even from the fan perspective, I was watching that game, and it was just a bizarre sequence. The, it was the bizarre. Offensive, the play caller called, like, runs up the middle, and the clock is just – and there's just no urgency on the play, uh, on the whole sequence of events, and they're only down the touchdown. It's just like they ran five total runs on that last drive, and Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, is – yeah, calling draw plays out of the shotgun. It just made uh, it, no sense. Like, where was the urgency? And as right. a fan, you want to know why Why was this bizarre play calling happening? What was the thinking behind it? Um, well, uh, well, but beyond that, KB, I want your impression of why, if, why, why would media not ask that? Now, in NFL media, where the NFL coaches must come out, and they must, I assume these guys have to come out too. I don't know. But in these, the guys at the NFL level, they don't have any problem asking these questions. You know why? Because nobody can pull their credentials in that regard. It's not this. I feel like there's this lovey-dovey relationship between college media and who gets their credentials and who doesn't. And they're afraid to ask questions or they don't know how to. It's one or the other, okay? But to ask a professional question to any college coach about questionable play calling without making a judgment on it, what was going on in the final few minutes of that play calling, that's a legitimate professional question. Instead of the softball stuff that I hear all week from a lot of different media. That's it. That's my take. Yeah. Anybody thinks I'm wrong? Let me know. I don't care. No, I, I, I think. Do you this, agree or disagree? No, I just, I, I, I honestly think, and what he did when he wrapped up the article, he said, he said, those, you know, no, either maybe no one wanted to piss off Coach Prime, or maybe everyone thought everyone else would ask such a basic, obvious question, but no one did. And that, that was basically... The, well, the, listen, the after you've had four or five questions, nobody's asked it. It's the number one question on the board. Ask the question. What are you afraid of to ask these questions? And I can All tell you... All I hear is leading questions that let's go to FSU. I, I can In tell you post-game practice pressers, it's the same. Uh, how do you feel about uh, the feelings of the team? They don't ask any direct questions that fans are really interested in. They're the most boring things... And uh, to be honest with you, it would be hard to go to them. Oh, I can tell you because I, I I interned in a news station in Milwaukee, and, and I got to I know you did. work with the Brewers and, and stuff like that. And they threw me in the locker room, and I, I think it's a mixture of, one, a lot of these guys, and, and it, depending on the varying degree of how long they've been with it, they are trying to keep relationships with these folks. And it, and some of that is like star, like you may be star-studded and – you know, I can remember, and of course, I was a college kid when I was doing this, so it's a little bit different. But if you're a young reporter or a mid-range reporter and you're at the stage and you're throwing up a question to Deion Sanders, I think a lot of those folks, and it kind of brought up in the article, is that you're not trying to piss off the head coach. 
and you're trying you're trying question? to how does a good question piss him off though because it's he made me piss about the fight you saw I, I get that because but people are so scared to lose access or to never be called again is that that's why they go straight ah. down the middle they go straight down the middle because they if they they don't want to take the chance if they're growing their career that they lose access they never get picked again in the crowd they may still have access but they never may get picked because they know that coach that coach knows it may be any other coach but that coach knows that guy's going to give you the tricky question and i may want to avoid that. that that i'm just telling you from my point of view having been someone in an arena you no, know, you, I you understand. Can, you I know, understand. You know, that's. Well, that's did you one. feel intimidated? Because you were young. Yeah, a little that. bit, a little bit. But you're also, you know, at my age, I was more starstruck. I guess I, I don't like, feel intimidated being the. And old sometimes man. a sports director <laughs> saying, "Just ask these questions." Sometimes a sports director will say, "I want this, so we can cut it up and put it on video." Right. So sometimes it's just put down to them. You only ask okay. these questions because right, this is life. what we want. Do you think, as a young reporter, someone? I think they gain respect from certain coaches. I think in it's Dion, a personality. it's a personality. At the okay, coach, well, though. I've watched enough of Dion now. I, I, I watch a lot of his pressers. You know, I'm a Colorado alum as well. I watch a lot of his pressers. I'm interested in what he's got to say. He's very candid, and I think he respects the people in there to ask the questions. I don't think there's a better coach. I've I would probably feel more reserved trying to ask Saban than I would Dion. Dion's pretty easy to ask questions to. All, I've watched almost all his pressers. I've watched all of Mike Norvell's pressers. And the guys in Mike Norvell's, it's so softballish. I'm, I'm saying it the way I feel. It just drives me crazy. I don't, that's why on Twitter I put nothing significant, pretty boring today, because that's what it is. Other guys chop it up. You're right. You see them, they chop up things. And I could do the same thing, chop it up to get views. I'm not going to do that. You're, it's not worth my, your time to watch it for 15 minutes. Says nothing. Says nothing. Like like I said, it's. I think it's a lot of it's self-preservation. A lot of it's, this is what the sports director wants you from this media station to get. You ask these questions, I want this so I can create content. Nothing else. And some of it, okay. it like okay. I said, it's... I don't himself. need to beat it to death, but when there's obvious things that happen in a ball game, and the first question is not about okay. that, all I right, begin right, to right, wonder. All right, that's all. all right, that's, all right. No, no, no. But begin to wonder what? There's I'm no saying. grand conspiracy. There's no grand conspiracy. It's just. I didn't say there was a grand conspiracy. I said I wonder why they're not doing it. They're either incompetent or they're scared. It's one you. or the other. No, I, I, there's more. Or self-preservation, as you said. Self-preservation is part of being scared because it's self Or a directive. Or it's okay. a directive. All right. My opinion. Um, all right. I think that'll do it. So we both expect Florida State. I got one other question. Oh, one other question. Yeah. What game besides Florida State will you be watching? One game this weekend. Oh, and I hate 3.30 because it just takes up the afternoon. But um, I I want to watch the I like the Kentucky oh well Oklahoma Texas I mean that's that's okay. the obvious I was going to go Georgia and UK yeah you, that Kentucky's got a good ball club I mean, and Texas that Oklahoma game's at in noon, Athens though. it's in Athens so yeah Texas Oklahoma at noon I don't think you can beat that though um, and then you have Georgia Kentucky at seven so I think those three games you start with Texas at noon Florida State at three thirty yeah. and then Georgia Kentucky those, at seven. Three. You'll, you'll be you'll be set there. Also, we'll want to check in and see how Louisville plays against Notre Dame. Yeah, Louisville's uh, four, four and zero. Oh. 
Yep, and Notre Dame's offense, I mean, they played some good opponents defensively, um, but that offense hasn't looked fantastic. Their defense looks good, but Notre Dame's offense. Louisville's 3-0 and in the conference yeah, right now. So that'll be, a, that'll be a test for them to see if Louisville's legit this year. Okay, um, last question. Does Florida State make, beat the spread or not? God, I hope so. That, that's yeah. literally my answer. <laughs> they, if they don't, gonna, if they don't, we're gonna have gonna, we're gonna have a lot of questions. Well, we're gonna drop. We're gonna probably we could drop depending what uh, team six seven do. Yeah, yeah. So because we're like, already yeah. We're there's already no reason they shouldn't. Twenty four yeah. points. It's twenty four points. Go Knowles. Yep. All right. So that'll do it, guys. We're taking Florida State twenty four to cover the spread. Let's see it all come together out of the bye week once again. Let us know your thoughts. What do you think the score prediction will be? Comment below and let us know. And what other games are you watching this weekend? We gave you our top three picks. Let us know what you want to watch and who you're cheering for outside of Florida State, that is. And, uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. We'll do – Watch for the old man at the game. Look out for the old man. Uh, I may be live post-game after the game to give a quick breakdown if I'm available. If not, we'll do a recap show on Sunday um, just to break things down and give our thoughts. But hopefully it's a blowout and we can just have some fun afterwards. So – Thank you all again. Good to see you, Mike. Good to see you, everyone who dropped by. And let's tie, And like Mike said, let's take the game to the next level of Florida State. And uh, let's have a good one. So enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your Saturday. And everyone stay safe out there. Go Knowles. And let's have a great Knowles. one. See you all. Let's go Knowles.